We are in a series called Come Holy Spirit, and tonight we are going to talk a little bit about the sign gifts. Can everybody say sign gifts? So the Bible teaches about different kinds of gifts that he gives his people, and we have the sign gifts, which we find in this passage, which talk about these supernatural signs of heaven, right? Breaking into earth, signs of heaven, as we would talk about, breaking into Gloucester City. And what I'm going to do tonight is going to be less of a line-by-line exposition. It's going to be less of breaking down what each one of these gifts is, how to know if you have them and pursue them. We're going to have to do that one day. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to have to do that and do a series on the spiritual gifts. But tonight, it's less of an exposition, more of an experiential message. Talking about how we here at Epiphany believe that God does break through into this world. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's a Western way of thinking that is more Western than it is biblical, where we tend to rely heavily on what we can taste, touch, see, and feel. We only believe in the things that we can measure, the things we can wrap our minds around, the things that make sense to us. And we believe that if something really has an explanation, it must have a scientific explanation. We, we, we tend to think that the only thing that is really real are the things that we can prove. And, and God is calling us out of that way of thinking. And, and basically, what I'm going to do tonight is to share the story of how I have become increasingly convinced that the role of the Holy Spirit is so important for us. It's so important. If we don't believe, last week Dylan preached, and he talked about, he asked the question, through his sermon, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? And he explained to us that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And he talked about what the Spirit does, how he convicts us, how he challenges us, how he comforts us, how he is the one who reveals to us who God is. Now, in time and space, we were lost, and Jesus came breaking into history. He was born. God was born as a baby. He walked around. This isn't just some sort of like story, but this is our faith that God actually stepped into history. But what good does it do to just tell the story that God broke into history 2,000 years ago unless God the Holy Spirit breaks into our hearts and convinces us that this is actually true and this is our salvation. Because it's one thing 
to know the Bible, but it's another thing to live the Bible. It's one thing to know about God, but it's another thing to know him personally. And the Holy Spirit has this incredibly awesome, powerful role in our lives. It may seem like a silent role. It may seem like he's in the background. But without the Holy Spirit convicting us, guiding us, leading us, we would be lost. We would not just be able to figure this stuff out because we're smart, because we sought it out, because we weighed all the evidence. No, the Holy Spirit has to break into our lives in a significant way. I was saved, became a Christian in the ministry of a Presbyterian church called New Life Presbyterian Church in Glenside, PA. It was a church that was deeply impacted by this renewal movement with a focus on how God can move, how the Holy Spirit works. And this is what they did. They, would, they, they were like, well, if God is real, like we're reading the book, we're reading the Bible, right? And he's changing people in radical ways. So shouldn't we get to do this stuff too? And so the pastor, what he did is he actually opened up his home. And people stayed in that home with mental illness, with addiction, with all kinds of problems. And he saw the hand of God in his life. And people were made new. This church is also deeply impacted by this movement called the Jesus People. So basically, for a long, long time, church in most denominations was done the same way, generation after generation. But during the counterculture, there was these spots where Christians were coming together, and they were hippie Christians. <laughs> and they were like, shouldn't we be doing the things we see in the Bible and not just sort of going through the motions and not just sort of playing church and not just sort of saying all the right language and responding and just doing this thing like we're reading a script, but it really is in our lives. It really doesn't impact us. And shouldn't, the Bible tells us to, to sing a new song to the Lord. And shouldn't that mean that we should actually sing some new songs? <laughs> and so that was, the, that was the church I went to. There's a joke that, you know, Methodists, they get up early to pray. And Presbyterians stay up late to read. <laughs> and um, there's a lot of truth to that. You know, even our church, right? We're, we, so... You don't, there's not going to be a quiz about this later, all the denominations and all this stuff I'm talking about. So don't worry about that. But there are certain churches, right, that are known for some fire. And there are some ch certain churches that are known for what they know. And in a Presbyterian church or a Reformed church like ours, you want to cultivate the life of the mind. And if you are around us at this church, if you've been doing leadership, you know that I never stop giving you books to read. And I am unrepentant about developing your head. I am an unrepentant believer that you need to learn some stuff. You need to grow that area. 
And so that's why the joke is, you know, like those Presbyterians, they might not get up to pray, but they're, they're just reading and reading all night. Well, I was at a church that did instill that love for the mind, that asked questions, that put me in a posture where we can do stuff like theology on tap, where we can look at issues of science and stuff, and we're not like, oh, we don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. We're like, no, we want to engage that. We want to talk about those things. I had that instilled in me, but I also was at a church, which, and these usually don't go together, there was a prayer meeting every single morning, and people were hot on fire for God and people were getting changed they were transforming it was normal in the church that I got saved at that I remember we went and we visited this guy in London who was reaching South Asians and we're like, well, how did you become a Christian? Well, the pastor, the pastor of the church that you go to, he saw me on the side of the road, and I was addicted to heroin, jaywalking, and he picked me up. And then I met God. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit changed my life. We are in a book, this book right here, Come Back, Barbara. Okay, we're in this book, same church, same pastor, right? This, this is the preacher's daughter, right? She starts to wander. She's like, I, want, I don't want to live by these rules. I want to be free. I want to experiment. I want to do me. I want to do what I want to do. And she ends up, you know, going with this guy she meets at the diner she works at, drug dealer, all that. God captures the Holy Spirit, the hound of heaven, grabs them. And now they are leading a church in Cheltenham, PA. Amen? I remember sitting in Sunday and there'd be stories of missionaries over in Prague, over in Turkey. And they would talk about like they were arrested and then the jail doors opened up and they got out. And I'm like, I, I, I came into a church where it was like the things that are happening that you read about in the Bible, they're supposed to still happen. And by God's goodness, they do happen. The men of that church really taught me the power of prayer. And I would go several mornings a week, and I would pray with these guys. And one thing that it never was it was never a bunch of people trying to bury their real problems under this like religious language. Because I think a lot of us have experienced that. You know, how are you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. No, they, they, <laughs> if you ask them how they are doing, they'd be like, my life is screwed up and falling apart and I don't feel like I have a handle. You know what I mean? Like they would just tell you the honest truth and they'd be like, pray for me. There was a transparency and authenticity that I learned. But they also, they got on their knees. They cried out and they called upon the name of the Lord. 
and they would see things happen. Whether it would be some nation that they had been praying about for months and then see the doors open for the gospel to go into it, or whether it be some kid like me in the church that didn't have a father, that, that wasn't from a Christian home, that somebody would come and mentor them and raise them up and that their future would look radically different. And I would see them praying and then that prayer fuel action and that prayer fuel transformation in people's lives, in the community, and to the ends of the earth. It was awesome. And then later on, later on out of this church, started getting involved in church planning. And the movements of church planning are heavily what is called continuationist, where there believe, there's a belief, right, that these signs are supposed to continue versus cessationalists, which says these signs are for the New Testament to confirm the writing of the Bible, but they no longer for us. And so in my mind, it was an easy, easy switch, you know? Guys like John, I mean, I'd already been in this church where I saw the Holy Spirit doing all kinds of crazy stuff, pretty regular, and then started listening to guys like John Piper, right, and Wayne Grudem and all these guys. It was like, yeah. So in my mind, that was easy. Sure, the Lord shows up any way he wants, in surprising ways, and he gives his people gifts. But I didn't really see it expressed in the church that well. Do you understand? So in my mind, yeah, sure, we have these gifts. But when I saw the gifts used, it was like a freak show. <laughs> it was like people working out their issues. You know, people turning around, shouting in tongues. Nobody's interpreting it. It's just, it's like they're trying to get attention. <laughs> People were working out all kinds of deep issues. And then I went to Africa. <laughs> and I was down with pretty much everything. These sign gifts that we read, that, that Sister Val read for us. But tongues was a weird one for me. That was a hard one. What is this? You know? And two things happened in Africa. I saw incredible abuse I saw, I mean, when I say incredible abuse, I mean, there would be preachers, right? They would call themselves super apostle. So much insanity, so much ego, so much pride, so much manipulation would happen. And they would say, listen, you take this picture, you buy this picture of me, and then you put it under your pillow, and you'll be healed. <laughs> and people would go to it. I remember... Like, I know you're not supposed to do this, but I'm going to do it. You're not supposed to say anyone's name ever. I don't know why. <laughs> so, like, I remember when Benny Hinn came to Nairobi. And there was, like, a 14-year-old girl who got stampeded. People were crowd surfing babies that were sick of AIDS and getting them to the, to the stage. People were at risk. Terrible things were happening. So I saw abuse that you couldn't say it was anything other than abuse. 
But I also saw things that you couldn't say were anything other than the power of God just breaking into our lives. I remember meeting this one, this one guy. He was Ishmaeli, and he had a wife from the Philippines. And I was like, well, how did you guys meet? That's strange. And it was, it was the most incredible thing. He was praying for a wife, which isn't that incredible. <laughs> you know, a lot of guys, a lot of girls are doing that, right? He was praying for a wife, but this is what's incredible about it. He has this dream about this woman in Saudi Arabia. And not only that, but this woman has this dream about this Ishmaeli guy in Nairobi, Kenya. And through a series of dreams, I know it sounds insane, but through a series of dreams, this woman came to Saudi Arabia and ended up, in effect, being human trafficked, had no salary. The person that they work, she worked for in the home took her passport so she couldn't go anywhere or do anything, and they basically just had her sleeping on newspaper in a spare room, and there was no, nothing but here's your food. And she was locked, and there was nowhere for her to go. But God, God broke into that situation, and she was able to get her passport. She knew the time, the place. She was able to get off. She was able to get a flight to Kenya. They got married, and they worked with these. They worked with South Asians. They worked with people in all kinds of disabilities. And healing was something that God had just given them. Do you understand what I'm saying? People were just would be healed, and they were the most humble, real. They weren't all crazy and weird. They're just like the most down to earth people you'd ever meet. I remember. I remember one time I was meeting with this woman. She had a child by C-section, and she was pregnant right away. And they told her, you're going to die. So the doctor said, you're going to die. You weren't, she had a really, really bad C-section. Um, the doctor said, you can't get pregnant. She got pregnant. She was poor, living in the slums. There was no way when she was in labor that she was going to just have, like, cab money or whatever to get to a hospital. And if she wasn't in a hospital, it was like a thousand percent she was going to die. And as I was praying for her, I had to stop praying. Do you hear what I'm saying? I don't know. This has happened only, like, three or four times in my life, but I had to stop praying, and I had to tell her, this is like word of knowledge, right? Sometimes God, like, peeks, like, opens up the window to heaven a little bit, and I looked at her, and I told her, I said, I don't know how I know this, but I know you're going to be fine. I know for a fact that this, this baby's going to be fine, and you just have to believe it, and you have to trust in that, and you know what happened, of course, <laughs> God came through, and the day that she needed a ride, somebody was visiting her, and it was the only day of the month that he was there to visit her. And he had a car, which is extremely rare. 
there to be a car sitting down in this part of the slums. And he took her into the hospital, and everything worked out, and the baby was born. I, I remember in Philly, I thought the guy was mentally ill. He would talk about going into certain spots, and he would see these people, and these people would whisper to him and just say things like, you're worthless. You're no good. You just kill yourself. And I mean, as a Western person, listen, I'm not, I'm not mad at medicine. But not everything that has an explanation has to have a scientific explanation. And I remember the day that he was in my living room and we were praying and I started to see those figures too. And I started to shout at them in the name of Jesus to go away. And God brought a huge measure of relief into his life. I remember a woman in Africa came to me. She had this skin condition, and she said her father had cursed her. And she asked me to pray for her healing, and I did that. I didn't ask any questions. I didn't know what I was doing. I just said, okay, God, please heal her skin. I don't know what the source of it is. I don't know. And she's telling me that it's from her father who's jealous of her. And you got to understand in Rwanda, there's so many deeply divided families because 23 years ago there was a genocide and people f were married intermarried and all this stuff but when the war broke out they were bringing out machetes and they were just killing each other and now a lot of that open violence has become impossible because it's a very it's like a dictatorship there's police everywhere. There's people listening and whispering to each other what everything, everybody's doing. So folks go to the witch doctor to curse someone. But, you know, I'm a white boy. I don't get that. Let me pray for you. <laughs> Let me just pray that you get healed, right? What, what ends up happening is... She brings me back the next month and says it hasn't gotten any better. And then I'm reading in James 5, and I'm remembering what people told me in seminary. And then I start to explore, and I say, you know, I start to ask her questions. And it turns out that she also went to the witch doctor many times, was in deep league with them, and had cursed her father. And I just brought her to a place of renouncing all of that renouncing everything she had been doing, how she had just been trying to grasp for help and power wherever she could get it. I'll go to the church. I'll go to the witch doctor. For us, it's like we go to things other than God hard. We're going to rely on ourselves. It may not be the occult, but we're going to make things happen on our own, and we need to renounce that. And as she confessed everything, I prayed for her. And I don't know if you've ever seen the, the, the fireworks where you light them and they kind of spin around and make this smoke that's like you can touch, like foam. It was like that foam started coming out of her mouth. 
I just put my hand on her shoulder and I just prayed for her that God would be victorious over whatever this is. You know, it was impossible for me not to believe that the miraculous is possible and that certain people have gifts <laughs> because I'd seen it over and over again. I remember my friend in North Philly. I remember he, one time we were at the spot, you know, where everybody gets dope and um, somebody comes up to him. This is over at like Kensington and Somerset. Somebody comes up to him and asks him for $20 specifically. And he had $20 and he gave it to him. And I'm looking at the guy like, are you freaking crazy? Like, what are you doing? And then a week later, I go to the recovery house that they have. And I see the guy sitting in the recovery house. And what had happened was I found out later that the pastor had that $20 bill and he was praying over it for months. He was praying over it. And he felt that God was calling him to give this money to this guy when he asked him for it. And that guy told me the story of how he took that $20 and he went from one spot to another and he couldn't get high anywhere he went. And then he pulled out of his pocket the rolled up little flyer for the recovery home and he walked halfway across the city to get there. And then he was there for a week. And then I saw him a few months later. And he got his life back. So I never had a problem with that. But, but, and God had not, I never had a problem with that. But God was teaching me and exposing me to these things that were like impossible for me to ignore. But one of the things that I struggled with the most until very recently was this whole issue of tongues. And then the pastor who led me to the Lord, a good Presbyterian pastor, good, reads a ton, more educated than anybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Got double major in philosophy and religion. Has an MDiv, which is another 120 hours of study. Um, really good guy. We were talking about these things, and I asked him about this, and he's like, yeah, I spoke in tongues once. And it happened to be way back in the day when I was with him, and we were on a mission trip in North Philly, and he was just laying down. It's like the kind of mission trip where you lay between the pews, and you sleep in sleeping bags, and you work all day, and then, you know what I mean, you go home after a week or two. And he was, he, was, he was sitting in the church, and all of a sudden, he just started speaking in tongues. And for the rest of the week, there was such joy and such power in the service. And I remember that week, and I remember, like, yeah, you were a different person. You were, like, another level <laughs> that week. And it just became impossible. I mean, I had already studied the stuff. I knew what Paul had said. I knew that Paul said that there's no, that, that we don't, why would Paul say things like if somebody's speaking in tongues in the congregation, they shouldn't do that. 
you know, unless there's an interpretation. Why would he say stuff like that, like I speak more than any? Why would he say it's the tongues of angels? Why would he say, if this was just other people's languages, you've got a lot to figure out and unravel biblically to justify that position, but that's not my sermon. There's a guy, a pastor I was listening to yesterday named Matt Chandler, and he talked about what it's like what it's like to be biblical and reformed, but, the, but also continuationist, also believing that the gifts of the Spirit are still given to us today. And, and he said it's kind of like living in a broken family where mom and dad aren't together anymore. Like, it's, it's, I, your identity is weird because you go and there's two Christmases and you go to mom's house and, and, and mom is so loving and kind of out there <laughs> Little fruity, <laughs> always is talking about how you have a calling on your life, and you're like, I don't even know what you mean, Mom. <laughs> what calling? What are you talking about? And then you go to Dad's, right? And, and, and you have Christmas at Dad's, and Dad knows the Bible, man. Dad can quote chapters of the Bible. He believes it, and yet he's always sort of angry about something. <laughs> he's always sort of bent out of shape. And what our prayer is, is that mom and dad can get back together (laughs) and that we can love God fully with our hearts, our souls, and our minds. And that we don't put these things in opposition to each other. Our culture, in our culture sometimes it's, we have this law, this 11th commandment, which is like, don't do anything that other people do badly. So uh, last year, a church in town flyered the entire community, and they put brochures on all our doors, and the one side just had flames, and the other side says facts about hell from the Bible, and it just listed a bunch of facts about hell. You know what it didn't have? It didn't have anything about our hope didn't have anything about our salvation. It didn't have any of that. It just had a bunch of facts about hell. And then at the end was a tagline like, hey, at our church, we ask hard questions, come through. (laughs) Now, one response to that kind of stuff is to be like, well, some Christians do evangelism badly, so I'm not going to do evangelism at all. You ever hear a bad sermon? Sure you have. We all have. Does that mean we should stop doing sermons? You ever see Christians do evangelism bad? Sure you have. Should we stop doing evangelism? Have anybody expressed these gifts in a way that wasn't healthy? Sure they have. Even Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, look what's happening. The Corinthian church was getting jealous of each other. There was all kinds of problems because some of them spoke in tongues. Some of them had gifts. They were healing folks. Other folks didn't. And he has to go into the next section and be like, listen, you don't get to say, the hand doesn't get to say to the eye, I don't need you. You need each other. These gifts aren't for you. They're not for your ego. They're not to build you up. They're to glorify God and they're for the common good of the church. Let me end with this. Can you put it up, Luke? Luke 11. It says, 
So I say to you, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. What your father among you, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask. Listen, I'm not asking you to settle the divisions of Christianity to define the difference between the filling and the baptism and the sealing and the anointing and all of that. It's important. We should study it. Yeah, but I'm not asking for that. Tonight I'm saying, do you believe in the power of God? Whatever it looks like. Are you able to say, I want to follow God? Whatever that looks like. Or... How can we say, how can we say to God, I am happy the way I'm following God? How can we say to God, I don't want any of that? When we read those signs and we're like, well, we've seen that done badly, so we don't want that. That's crazy. Listen, I don't know about you, but whatever the power there is through the Holy Spirit, however he'll be manifested, I want that. And Paul says, earnestly seek these gifts. Seek these gifts. I'm telling you. To say, I don't know about that. We're out of pocket. We're out of line with the scripture. And listen, I've been a part of churches where the end all be all is to just preach, to just be a relatable person, say good things that make sense to people and motivate them. That's a good scalpel. Might work in Cherry Hill, might work in Center City, Northern Liberties. It's a good scalpel. In Gloucester City, we need a sledgehammer. <laughs> We need a sledgehammer because there is a depression in this town that I have never seen in my life. And it is stubborn. There's addiction that has us like a vice grip. People are over-medicated, smoking too much weed, drinking too much alcohol. Listen, I'm not talking about people out there. I'm talking about you and me in debt to our eyeballs, depressed, messed up. And we need the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. And we don't need just a scalpel and just a guy who sounds good and can talk to us into things. But we need the power of God. We need something more than, I'm about to ask you to like sign up for stuff. That's great. We can organize the church to death, but it isn't organization that's going to bring the breakthrough that we need in our lives and in this town. Listen, the glory days of Christianity were not back 2,000 years ago. I remember some 800 years ago, you told you I like to read a lot. There was this community in Germany, and they found out about 
these people in Barbados and how they were living, how they were being treated inhumanely. And the youth of the community came up to the elders and they said, send us into the slave market so that we can share the gospel with these people. And of course the elders were like, that's crazy. No, <laughs> not sending you. But you know what? The Holy Spirit spoke and prevailed. And they sent these kids and they put their clothes in pre-built coffins. And they went there and most of them died very quickly before they could even learn the language. I went and preached a few years ago in a church in Willingboro, New Jersey, that were the descendants of those who, be, who came to Christ. I don't know what it is, but it seems like, you know, in the winter when the pipe gets frozen and the water, you turn the water tap and it doesn't, nothing comes. It seems like for a while, that's how we've been doing. I, I look around and I see how churches are just closing left and right. And I, I see how it seems like God's hand has just been removed from what we've been doing. But let me tell you, let me tell you, God has started to thaw the pipe. I'm telling you, I was standing in this room just like a week and a half ago with a guy and he's telling me 12 years ago I became a pagan. Recently I had a dream and God put his hand on my shoulder and I felt like he was bringing me back to the church. You know what, we're gonna baptize his daughter. You know what, God, I told him, it's not a coincidence that you have a friend who's a pastor who prays for your soul all the time. We have to be bold and we have to expect God to do things, to send dreams, to heal people. My foot was jacked up. I went to the doctor. They, I got the CD with the fracture on the end of my heel. And I was sitting in the trailer with Miss Sue who comes to church and she prayed for my healing. And I haven't had a single bit of pain in my foot since. This is what I'm saying. The tap is falling, and we need to expect God. And, as, and what we're going to do is, when we come to this table, I, I want to ask um, Brother Rob to come forward. And, and we're going to come, and everyone who comes, we're just going to quickly pray for you that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. 